0: Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another episode of Woke and Baked, your podcast home for all things, I don't know, whatever's going on at the moment worth talking about. All right, today I sat down with Tobin Warmer to discuss some of the things going on in the cannabis industry in Alaska, current events. For those of you that don't know who Tobin is, he was on the podcast about five months ago. We catch up real quick. He is the owner and operator of Warner Brothers Horticulture. They grow some bomb ass GSC, some power plant. They also grow some bomb ass royal gorilla. They they grow some bomb ass flower that gets turned into some bomb ass concentrates that gets shared among the state of Alaska. All right, we talk about a lot of things going on in the cannabis industry, in the state of Alaska, especially the current state of pesticide testing, and we kind of go from there. Without much further ado, let me give a solid shout out to my supporters, and we'll get the hell on the road. Iron Asylum, they can be found on Facebook and Instagram, but if you are looking for the actual location because you are looking for an actual place to get your physical sweat on, 35165 KB drive going on from now until the 1st of December. They have a PFD sale. This is the longest PFD special that I am aware of. For $500, you get one full year membership to the gym that is called Iron Asylum. They are expanding, they are doubling in size. So, guess what that means? More space for you about you, but I like my personal space, and Iron Asylum is a place that gives you the personal space that you require when you are trying to do some time on the squat rack, if you are so inclined to get into the squat rack. Alright, if you have any questions about them, be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Coming up next, not to be outdone, the Schnitzel Bomber, located on the corner of K Beach Road and Poppy. They are your home for schnitzel gouda poutine. We'll just call it schnitzel goutine. It's delicious. They're your home for all kinds of really badass comfort food on the Kenai Peninsula. If you are looking for a deep-fried pork and or chicken cutlet that is deep fried to a golden brown served with some nice Jaeger sauce and man, it's just good food. Just really, really good. Pity pity your stomach food. It's also sleep food. You're not gonna eat this and feel like doing anything other than taking a real solid three or four hour nap. Alright, check them out on Facebook, check them out on Instagram. They've got daily specials, they've got weekly specials, they've got all kinds of stuff. One of my favorite things to do is just to pull up there and say, what can you make me off the top of your dome with what you got? and just have them freestyle something cool for me. I'm never disappointed. And when I get on my Keto Kick, which lasts all of about two or three days, they'll freestyle something Keto-friendly for me. They'll knock your socks off. They won't actually knock your socks off. I think that that's just a a, a play on words. I don't even know what the proper phraseology is for that. I don't think anyone is actually getting their socks knocked off by something clever. All right, next up we got 5150 Vapes located across the street from Soldatna Creek Park in lovely Soldatna, Alaska. If you are looking for a place that will have flavored nicotine juices, they are a place that has your flavored nicotine juices. They also uh, have badass box mods. They've got all kinds of things. If you are interested in vaping, you want to get off the tobacco, that is a place that will help get you set up with the right equipment, with the right flavors, and they will get you on uh, going down the right rabbit hole. Also, they are your exclusive home for the Woken Baked Smiling Unabomber T-shirts. If you are looking to get your hands on one of the Smiling Unabomber Woken Baked. Uh, Seattle Seahawks colorway. The best way for you to get it is just to walk into 5150 Babes, tell them that you would like one, uh, tell them you're a fan of the podcast, and they will give you $5 off. There you go, 15 bucks for your Woken big Smiling Unabomber T-shirt. There you go. All right, and last, but certainly not least, Red Run Cannabis Company, the makers of fine oils, fine hash-aid, Fine concentrates. By the way, if you have not had Hash 8, they've dialed it into the point now where you can get it in trim, you can get it in flour, and now more more flour specifically, your bud tender should be able to tell you whether or not it's an indica or a sativa when you get your flour. Pretty badass, man. There's some pretty cool options, some really cool products coming from Red Run Cannabis Company, and they have their own retail location located on the Kenai Spur Highway. All right, this intro is clocking in at a little over five minutes. We'll see if we can shorten it down the next time. All right, without further ado, here's some Tobin Warner. Warner Brothers Horticulture. That's the one, Warner Brothers Horticulture. Oh, you're looking at the topics. No, yeah. no those are... No, they're... no,
1: that's. A, I, I like where I don't want to get out of, uh, out of line on it just because uh, I feel like that's a good finishing topic.
0: I think that's a, a great finishing, finishing topic because
1: there's a lot of stuff. We,
0: everybody on. should be talking about it at some point. It, at some point. They should find people that they enjoy speaking with to speak about these things and, and have open conversations and dialogues about what's actually going on. So before we get to that, we've got to go into the first topic, which for me is, uh, I don't know, I've been kind of working on kind of ideas for like opening questions to, to sort of get to talking to somebody and sort of get like the brain juices flowing. And it goes back to like, what was your favorite movie when you were a kid? What's your favorite sports movie? Something of that nature. So with that being said, I don't really have one of those. Okay, uh, well, so here's one. Who was your favorite athlete when you were a kid and why? And when I say kid, we'll say 10 to 15.
1: Uh, 10 to 15? The I wasn't, I was kind of like the really, really nerdy kid in high school, so I wasn't crazy into sports, but like uh, I grew up in Utah, so like Utah Jazz, so like Carl Malone was okay. like somebody that I really liked when I was like 10 to 15. I think like
0: he was close to retirement around then, though. Okay, but well, yeah. Props to Carl Malone, a Kenai native-ish, native-ish.
1: Well, and the resident, th- and yeah, because in Utah, Carl Malone's a really big deal because he owns
0: a bunch of dealerships and everything.
1: So well, like, his name's everywhere.
0: Here's a question for you, then: Why is it? Do you think it has to be, in my opinion, probably name recognition, but something about athletes that you know, e- either when they retire, a lot of them when they're still active, they open car dealerships. Like in in Dallas, Troy Aikman had a chain of car dealerships. You guys Troy Aikman Chevrolet, or you know, some such thing. Um, I'm I'm sure. I hope Emmett Smith had a car dealership. That would be real cool. But there's something about the the name recognition that says, you know, we've got to buy a car from this person. For Jordan it was shoes, and thank God it wasn't suits. I don't know if you ever saw that man in a suit, but it was weird. Um just wrong proportions, right? Just kind of tall. Well, I think that, that and that's got to be a problem, you know, like if you're a really tall guy, is like anything that you look is anything you wear is going to look like a clown suit. And I think that's why we spend way too much uh attention um, we're paying too much attention to what uh, NBA players are wearing now. Like, a lot of them are dressing a little bit funky, but that's because they didn't have a whole lot to wear, you know, 25 years ago. Um, so I guess, yeah, it makes sense. The big and tall options have grown exponentially over the last 20 years.
1: Yeah.
0: As have Americans. <laughs> <coughs> Dennis Rodman comes to
1: mind. Oh. As far as colorful, colorful people in the NBA that are crazy. Uh, well, not crazy in their personal life, but like have a little bit more eccentric personal living styles.
0: Well, yeah, but well, that but that's twenty years ago. I'm I'm thinking more now, um, like uh, like James Harden and and the way some of these dudes, uh, some of the way some of these cats are dressing now. But it's again, I'm also wearing like dirty jeans and and a dirty sweatshirt. So like we all we all dress for the work that we're going to do, and their work is running up and down the court in, sh- in basketball shorts and the tank top, if you want to wear whatever the hell it is that you want to wear before it is that you go do that, I guess, by all means, knock yourself out. Happy people don't shoot up movie theaters. Mm-mm. All right. Um, so the last time we spoke was about five months ago. We discussed terpenes. It was a pretty cool episode. I recommend people go back and listen to it. Uh, what has updated? What has changed? In your life since then, oh, since uh, uh, April. Yeah, it's April. Yeah, so uh, just
1: like no, uh, just kind of the business has been running. We kind of had like a slowdown and pick back up, uh, dealing with a couple different things. Like I don't know, uh, had a had a baby boy. He's a week old. Congratulations! So that's um, but no, it's uh, down to me and my uncle. My brother went back to the oil field. He's. uh, Working with Yellow Jacket, so the, the industry just wasn't really working out with him. Uh, startups are tough, and the industry is tough, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So, um, but uh, no, that pretty much sums up most of it. We've just kind of been working on phenotyping. Works kind of overrunning life, and now baby life is overrunning life for the next probably three four days.
0: Explain uh, phenotyping life.
1: Oh, uh, ph- uh, phenotyping. So we are trying to get more strains into the cultivation. With uh, the way that things have been, we got we were kind of down to like Royal Gorilla and Girl Scout Cookies right now just for what's... Like with the industry, you have to be over 20% and you have to be over 3% Terps in order for like your cost to produce to not be just crushing you or the tax bracket be crushing you. So for us, that, that narrowed it down. We lost Critical Jack. This is gonna be our last run of Power Flower, our last run of Northern Lights that we are selling currently. Um, we got an Aurora Cookies, which was like a Bob Ross seed that kind of popped up in, a gr- in our grow that had to have been across between uh, Northern Lights and Girl Scout. So we're calling it Aurora Cookies. Both are really good genetics. It smells crazy skunky mango. So I'm really excited to see what the test results are on that. We actually have that in our drying room right now. Very okay. cool. And then we're working on pulling some more gelato and then a Rea Strain, which is like a pineapple chunk in um, from uh, cuttings that we have. So, what is it about the cookies that you enjoy?
0: <laughs> well,
1: so th- this particular Girl Scout cookies for is from a from a grower standpoint on a strain. Girl Scout cookies is not my favorite strain that we grow. I just want to get that off the top. But ours, for what it is, has a really really high mercine and a really it, some harvests have come up with a, a bit of linol in there, which is like a really really relaxing terp. Um, so. For me, I like the density, I like the scent, I like the overall terp profile. It always produces good terps and high crystal content. Like, you'll actually see little crystals growing inside the buds. Um, but it doesn't yield quite as good as we want it to, but it's still like one of our really, really good
0: ground-based strains. Okay. Um- so, do you think that that's why one of the reasons that cultivators like it, uh, and and why do you think consumers enjoy the Cookies strain so much?
1: Well, I think the Cookies is just because it's one of those good, uh, well-known names, and if your yours is a good representation, uh, like just kind of another one to throw out there, um, the Platinum Cookies uh, and of uh, Dolly Phelps, the piece Peace, Peace frog. frog botanicals, yeah, yeah Platinum Blackberry Cookies. Oh man, and that's where like I think that. You can't really compare those two strands back to back, but they definitely have that cookies hint to them. They have that little bit of an earthy, a little bit of like a sugary sweet flavor to them. But the what is the what is the Huckle Platinum Huckleberry Cookies is more like a berry flavor. Platinum I think. Huckleberry Cookies, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a little bit more of that berry flavor in it, but you also really do get those fruity notes with hers, which I don't think ours really has a fruity note. It's more more of a citrus or spicy, earthy than any of that? Oh, absolutely. And I might be getting way too connoisseur with it, but I just hang out and smell weed all day because it's what I do for a living. So I kind of it's really it's really fun to start to tell the difference when you're around so much of it.
0: Yeah, um, and and let me just talk a little bit about your GSC. I'm a big fan of it, and, and one of the one of my spiel's when I'm talking to people is that uh, it's like a good like GSC is like a really good burger, a uh, really good burger, like or really just a burger. If it's um, your GSC. The Warner Brothers GSC is a really good representation of what a burger should taste like. And not all really good burgers taste the same. Uh, Five really good burgers could have five really different major ingredients. Um, But you know what a good burger is when you taste it. And you, sir, make a damn good burger. Thank you. All right. So, what does the future uh, look like? You've got some of these new strains, the Aurora cookies. Uh, Any idea when you're going to hear back on, like, it's drying now, you'd send it off to test? Oh,
1: probably two, two, three weeks. And I I don't know how much of that's actually going to hit. We just ran one plant in a row instead of doing, like, a bulk run of it just because we have... When we run a strain, we run a lot of weight of that one strain. And so, we don't want to sink too many eggs in that basket until
0: we get a test on it. Roger that. Um, So... Speaking of testing, one of the topics that's been a really hot topic in the states, uh, in the state of Alaska, especially regarding uh, cannabis, is the use of pesticides. Um, you wrote that down on one of the to- as as one of the topics that you wanted to touch on. So touch on it, man. Talk well, so to me about the, that.
1: the testing for pesticides. I think it is something that's been circulating social media and just like some of the other topics the one of the biggest things that when i talk to like bob up at alaska blooms adam hoover all these other guys that are in the industry
0: shout out to adam hoover
1: yeah well like everybody that we're talking about like what what is the industry lacking where do we need to go in the future and one of the big frustrating things is uh um new frontier is not currently operating uh so we're down to just can't test for us unless we want to shift to southeast but With uh, New Frontier, they were, like last time I talked to them, they were right on the edge of being able to do pesticide testing. Because for me, from a cultivator standpoint, or for somebody that produces a product, um, public health, or like making sure that the product that is out in in the industry is healthy. Because even if if, uh, I know that I don't use any pesticides or stuff, there's actually gonna set me aside, or set me ahead, once pesticide testing comes online for people that do use pesticides and don't disclose or use beyond what like, because even to apply pesticides, you have to get certified to do that. And if you don't have a card to apply pesticides, you aren't supposed to apply pesticides. So um, with uh, what I really would like to see in the next, uh, as soon as we can push it through, get some protection up for the people that are in the public, make sure that, Make sure there's an actual pesticide testing instead of it just saying pesticides none or pesticides passed or whatever else yeah. on the label. Because I think it's a farce and I think it's giving people a sense of security that's not necessarily there. And I'm not trying to throw shit at anybody in that uh, bad, bad thing. But no, we, I'm not trying to throw mud at anybody in any of this stuff. Like there's there's a bunch of, and there's more rumors and gossip in this industry than probably most just because of the way that it
0: works well it's it's a small community right so it's like anything that's a small community you and i live in a small community uh there's going to be conjecture there's going to be rumor there's going to be ideas there's going to be someone spitting off you know whatever thought they had as a passing brain <coughs> part, uh, that they thought worthy of of coming out of their uh fucking face asshole
1: yeah well and what what i'm Like and just to kind of put a good standpoint on it, I don't think like people should be shamed for using pesticides. I think that it's okay for people to be using pesticides in this industry in this current market. The frustrating side on that is that how do they know? Because if there's no testing, whether or not they're within the realm that they need to be. Yeah. If they're overusing, they need to be able to be able to do that test to figure out. Like because it's the same thing with when mold testing. You'll get a couple failed mold tests whether you didn't control your humidity well enough, or you didn't control something during the drying aspect, or the plant wasn't as healthy as it needed to be, or you flushed too hard and it browned too hard. And so, like, you started to fail those mold tests. And, like, not all cultivators have failed mold tests, but, like, when you do, you're just like, okay, what did we do wrong with this one? But we need just even that as far as a barrier so that when somebody that is trying to make a good product that is using pesticides like because neem, neem oil in my opinion if used in the right quantities and amounts is perfectly safe to use on plants there's plenty of others out there that are there are some that i don't think anybody should even have in their cultivation if they can avoid it but um like they need to be able to have that so they said oh well we applied it in veg but then we had a short veg time fast bloom time And then they they pop for a pesticide test in 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 the legal market well one failed test isn't going to doom that business but it is going to give them a direction of what they need to change in their processes to be able to pull it back within an acceptable health and safety safety standard
0: so i'm assuming that it's not very complicated like if you have a a failed test for mold that if you have some idea of what you're doing it's it's not hard to do like the backwards forensics of trying to figure out what was wrong where and you might have an idea of what was going wrong before it got to that point
1: yeah well you know what i mean like if you don't just fail a mold test because the testing facility is fucking you necessarily like i'm not i don't think that and i've heard of like entire batches and stuff failing but the thing about it is is that as you shift into seasons up here just the mold spore count outside skyrockets seasonally up here. So if you're intaking air from outside, then yeah, everybody could very well potentially fail for a mold test. If you aren't mitigating the the potential for mold spores coming in from outside into your cultivation without being filtered or having your air treated or sterilized, then that leaves you open for exposure for failing that test. Are you growing bad weed? No. Are you trying to grow a good product? Absolutely. But if you don't have the ability to even know whether or not you're doing right, Then what's the point of even throwing a no, yes, or used during veg only? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of learning and then that's sort of part of the, the reason for bringing you on here is to like, I'm not by any means an expert on cultivation. I tried to grow one time and it ended horribly for everything and everyone involved. It was, it was a moldy tree. It was a small moldy tree. it was a horrible experience, and uh, that's why uh, I buy weed from professionals. Yeah. Well, because that's environmental. Environmental
1: is one of the hardest things to figure out in this industry in the state, I, in my opinion. Okay.
0: Um, so, extraction, um, you have as. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about testing? No, testing? I, I
1: feel like we covered it pretty okay. well. Okay.
0: Uh, extraction, uh, the flower tax? Yeah. So, let's, let's talk about that real quick.
1: So like right now, the, the one of the big frustrations and something, because like, uh, like name dropping a little bit, like uh, Refine, Ryan, everybody, and I think anybody that kind of likes good extracts, good terp sauce, good diamonds, good loud resin, whatever, we need to be able to find a way to feasibly be able to put flower into an extraction facility without the state taking over a third of it. Because it's just, okay, so. Okay, so I'm a okay, puzzled so, face for okay. those listening. So trim is taxed at like 15 a gram, like two, 250, 260 a pound. Okay. Uh, immature flour is taxed at uh, $400 a pound. So the, the cost to produce is, is, or the
0: cost to actually make product escalates drastically. So quick question, that was recently, uh, that's a a recent change, correct? Yes,
1: but then on top of that, at the same time, the the numbers still aren't working out. They just need to figure out a way to tax on the back end of the extractor.
0: So it's mostly a matter of of dialing it in.
1: Yeah, and so like it kind of gets to the point where, and not... Not trying to throw any cultivators or anything under the bus, but there's people that are definitely throwing more larfy stuff in with their trim. They're throwing their immature in with their trim. We try and do a sort and determine what is or isn't immature in our minds or is or isn't acceptable or abnormal. But we've had seeded crops and other stuff and leafy stuff, but like dialing stuff in, fixing issues. But the problem is, is that still when you go to send it in, you get paid out based on what the extract is on a lot of this it's not about what it's not about whether or not it's trim or flour going in as far as the product that it makes as far as yield per weight and that's where trim dabs are going to still kind of be the ruling majority which like in, in not i your face exactly i think that there should be a lot of flour extract available to the public i think it should be
0: more clearly labeled
1: yeah, well, because then it's, then it's going to be able to separate the price point
0: to make it more of a feasible thing. A hundred percent. I think that there's a lot of trimmy shit out there. And I don't I don't want to crap on anything because I think that extracts and I think concentrates are the future. I think they're a better way of, of getting your, your THC. But I, they're let's not pretend that there isn't a difference yeah. um there's a, a, There's a difference to me and i can I can taste the difference when it's a a trim cartridge versus a flour cartridge, whether it's you know like you you can taste added vegetable terps as opposed yeah. to cannabis derived terps
1: and I think the big separation in the market is is that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, they have shatter or they have sauce or they have this or they have diamonds of some somebody's something that they extracted. And I'm not saying that like uh, my product yields so much superior or whatever, but in order for f- immature flour to be able to be more of a thing as far as extraction, we need to be able to diver- differentiate that price point. Because if you're making concentrates out of immature flour, the price point just has to be higher because the overall cost was almost was double, almost. Yeah. But uh, as far as the, the tax burden from the state, which is high. Any cultivator will tell you the tax burden's high. Okay. Um,
0: all right. I, I appreciate you explaining that. Sorry, the screen is, the brightness of the screen, I need to do something about that. Um, okay, so you have written down Indica Sativa Hybrid uh, growth type versus uh, effect.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's where, like, uh, you talking about uh, RGSC and stuff like that. Like, it's on... Like the the Bible that I think a lot of people go back to is like Leafly on whether something is an indica or a sativa or anything like that. Yeah. Where like some of our strains grow very sativa dominant looking, but the hybrid cross says that they're very indica dominant. And it's just not that it's a, because if you're trying to go based off of, uh, for for example, our Northern Lights. Northern yeah. Lights is an 80% indica dominant strain based off of link. what mine is exactly i'm not sure i got a, the cutting from a buddy that got the seed from Barney seeds i don't know if i'm touching stuff that's making the mic bump yeah. or what but whatever um but no so it but it's still that really spicy piney northern lights flavor like the turp profile is really on par with that strain but it's a very sativa dominant grower so the genetics for the growth didn't match the genetics for the flavor of the bud If that makes any sense. Because if it's supposed to be like an indica dominant strain, it's a very sativa dominant. Like it looks more sativa than our critical jack, which is very sativa. Like it's an 80% sativa dominant. But the effect of the Northern Lights, for me at least, is a very indica. And then the Terps match what is expected from that genetic and phenotype. But no, just, uh, and then same thing with the Royal Gorilla from Royal Queens, um, it's uh, the closest thing that we say is just GG4 lineage because that's kind of how it was explained to us uh, from their website that it's along those same lines of crosses of like the, what do you call it? The biker cush or whatever okay. else. Because like they, they have like all the gorilla strains have that same stuff that comes back from. Yeah. It. Like the gorilla fuel, the gorilla glue number four, the grape eight all those strains have like similar lineage at some point back in and that's why they kind of have that gorilla flavor gorilla not flavor but gorilla name to them and then also the kind of that gorilla effect i feel like it's more of the the royal gorilla for me is my favorite just because of the effect is a really relaxing calming mellowing effect so and it, it, not to not to shy on the the terps and the flavor and everything else but uh For me, the effect is what sells it. And that's why like even the diamonds of the Royal Gorilla are way, way above and beyond anything else that I've tried, even of like the GSC and the Power Flower not to knock on them. But I really enjoy the effect of that Royal Gorilla.
0: So how did you come across the Royal Gorilla?
1: Um, So we kind of early, early on in our uh, phenotyping when we were just running like the four to six plants, I had like a cooler grown in like a closet. So we were doing pl- plants from there. Well, when we first started, we had to find somebody to source seeds from. So we went to Royal Queens and that's where Power Flower's from as well. That's the actual first strain I ever grew, everything. Um, and I'm still kind of nostalgic and still kind of sad that it's leaving, but it's it, it just, it's not feasible to grow lower testing strains in this industry just because the price point isn't there. And it's only gonna get worse over this winter because more cultivators are coming online New Frontier is down, I think temporarily they should be coming back, but it's just nice to be able to have multiple testing facilities. But as we go into winter, tourism's down, more cultivators online, there's still more retailers, which isn't going to help the price point for the individual. And so it's definitely going to be a die off kind of like, we aren't talking about what's profitable, we're talking about what's survivable at this point. And I don't think that's a bad spot to be because we all know that we go through these ups and downs in the industry. So is it
0: good for the consumer or bad for the consumer?
1: I, I overall hope that the the price point overall is going to come down. The people that just aren't matching on their cost to produce for whatever reasons, multiple failed crops, poor yield, oh, too much labor, like whatever their reasons are, those people that are producing at like 2,800 or whatever dollars a pound in order to make a like basically the people that aren't really making any money unless they sell it for thirty six to four thousand. Like, okay, those prices don't exist anymore. And not to like throw out people's numbers of like what wholesale prices are, but I think it should be I think it's fairly well known. Um or, no, it's a podcast, so we don't have to worry about FCC, right? No, nice. You aren't supposed to talk about prices. I always have to check myself, regulation, and compliance, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. uh, appreciate that. But, no, so it's like one of those things. The price needs to come down. Like, the, the reality of it is is that it, we just, we as an industry need to find a way to make it so that the consumer isn't paying 18 and $20 for a one gram of flour. The, the only way that we can bring the value to that
0: is being crazy high on THC numbers. Do you think that jumping, uh, throwing in the cost of testing for pesticides will cause the cost of plant to, uh, to rise?
1: No, the the cost is going to be passed on to the uh, um, retailer. What I hope to see with, uh, and that's going to be trickle down onto the consumer as well, but that's okay. the same thing. We are in, in an overinflated market right now. There's people that are behind on excise tax. There's people that are current on excise tax. AMCO is doing nothing to people that are behind, so there's kind of this shock absorber for these people that are falling off of the bottom of the market. And for whatever reasons, like there's many, many number of reasons that people like have been closing doors. There's been what, six that closed on the Kenai Peninsula this last year? I wouldn't know. But I mean, and not to like, businesses are hard, the industry is really, really tough just in just in the sake of like the workload and what you have to do to just to make it um but as the pesticide testing comes online what i hope to see is the people that are mitigating grow quality issues with over pesticide use or over fungicide use or anything along those lines that they're going to weed themselves out quicker which is going to increase the quality that because it's quality versus value right so the quality on the market needs to increase we need to have more of a what's the point of buying legal weed if the only thing they're really testing for is whether or not it molded i'm way more worried about whatever you could have sprayed on it than whatever could have grown in it personally that i don't worry so much about moldy bud on this or that or whatever not that we do but like mold that you've gotten in the personal market for weed that you've gotten in the personal market from friends that it's like yeah this i let it hang too wet for too long or whatever. Or just like your crop and stuff. Like if people decide they want to extract and consume that, that's up to them if they want to make edibles out of it. But uh no, it's gonna be interesting to see how that's gonna shift the market because it's gonna refocus, I think, the consumer's ideal of if it does fail for a pesticide test, it's not gonna be for sale across the shelf. Okay. And then people are gonna be more accepting of a higher price with the pesticide testing. But as it drops out, the prices are going to balance back out because the the market's not going to be over flooded. All
0: right, so we'll skip past who it is that you look like at this particular moment because I'm torn between Asop Rock and Fidel Castro as a farmer.
1: Um, oh man!
0: So um, young F- young Fidel Castro. Young Fidel Castro as okay. a farmer. Uh, Rocking the car All right, so we're gonna sh- jump straight into uh, to Epstein. Uh, This is We're gonna get ready to clear out the show. This is the last topic that we we have written down Uh, Dr. Baden who was hired by Jeffrey Epstein's brother did an extra autopsy and In in his opinion as a medical expert former uh, medical director for the city of New York City uh, Jeffrey Epstein was murdered so with that being said he was also at one point, Dr. Baden, a defense witness for OJ Simpson. So before any of you who might have thought or heard that you know, get too excited, just remember that a lot of these professionals kind of go where the money takes them. Um, and so when you start looking at studies and polls, think about who is paying for these polls and who is uh, facilitating the information being transmitted to you. Thoughts? Oh, so
1: like my my biggest frustration with like the Epstein thing, and not not to be like too hardcore of a conspiracy theorist or anything, but we're we're talking about like sex trafficking of children. Like, well, like we're talking we're, about a
0: lot more than that. Well but
1: like like even for me that's like the worst case scenario as far as like you're talking about something that's really like, the most heinous thing you could possibly do on this planet Earth, in my in my opinion, is harm children. Lots of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's to the point of, like, okay, we're talking about the worst kind of, like, evil person on the planet in a first world country. And he was definitely leading to a ring of something. And two guards fell asleep on... Like, the whole story just starts to get more and more out of it. Like... But then I don't know if the news isn't covering it because all I do is see the memes just all over everywhere, which I think is fantastic. We can't let it like slow down. So we here's need to figure it out.
0: Let me let me give you an update then. So Project Veritas, who did uh, a really good job very uh, very recently of exposing some insider footage from CNN, just released um, a hot mic video from an ABC reporter talking about how ABC killed. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein story three years ago. They crushed it. Uh, They crushed it uh, when Will and Kate were having babies and they wanted access to the royal family because the queen mother knew uh, that that this was implicating her little child, Randy, Prince Andrew. Randy Andy is like, oh, by the way, his family, that that royal family has a long history of being tied in with pedophiles. There's a guy by the name of, I think it was Jeremy Scaville. I might be, I'm probably saying the wrong name, but he was a a guy who was famous on British television who was also tight with um, Prince Charles. Hell, if you Google pedophiles photograph with Prince Charles, I'm sure you'll get a lot of photos, a lot of dudes. Uh, but Prince Andrew, who is friends with, who is buddies with Epstein before and after he got in trouble, you know that that family in the UK has that much influence on American media. How much influence do you think? I mean, how much free thought actually exists?
1: Well, and that's why, like, I don't think I've watched a news channel in three four months, just because I'm fox nbc cnn any of them just because it's to the point where i feel like they're trying to shove a funnel in your mouth and just shove whatever whatever they want down your throat yeah like because do do i really personally care about like any of trump's personal life no is anything that i'm going to think about day to day going to change what that is well and not that i'm Trump's gonna be president for at least the next however many months until until he's either out or reelected or whatever. But for me in my day to day life, I have way bigger fish to fry. And for me right now, like early fatherhood, all this other stuff going on with the girl, news media just isn't worth it to me anymore unless it's something of like true value. But they don't have any of that anymore, I feel like.
0: Well, I, I have this this theory that I'm working on, that the news and, and information is pretend, uh, presented to you in 12-minute segments, and they give it to you in 12-minute segments in the, to, so that they can pump up your blood pressure so that you stick around for whatever's coming between the advertisements, right? But the advertisements are lease a car, get your blood pressure medicine, uh, and get your boner medicine, Yeah. right? Um, but you're getting the boner medicine because the blood pressure medicine has made it so that you can't get a, a boner yeah um <laughs> and that's the news cycle we live in
1: <laughs> well n- no it's it's the same thing, or like the the reverse mortgage or yeah. any of that other stuff, but no, it's just we need to and the stuff that is damaging to our country we need to attack, and Jeffrey Epstein case is a prime example huh. you know what I mean like d- <laughs> Anything that Trump could do right now, is it worse than what Jeffrey Epstein was doing?
0: Well, the the, the news isn't covering this. The the Project Veritas stuff that just came out, not being covered on CNN.com. Project Veritas. Yeah, Project Veritas. Veritas. Google them, go to their website, look at the video. It's about seven minutes long. Uh, And she talks about how uh, ABC killed the story, uh, essentially at the behest of the royal family. Check it out, good times. Oh, man. All right. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Oh, Thank nice. you, Tillman, so much. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana D. For use only by adults 21 and older Keep out of the reach of children, and E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, license 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska 99611.